All right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of young people. I believe the best way to get our teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, to rate it, review it, to get the word out about it, to tweet about it, Instagram about it, whatever, social media, get it out there. Because uh, it's time for a revolution in youth ministry. And that's what this podcast is all about. And we're right in the middle of a series on the seven values of a gospel advancing ministry. And today we talk about relational evangelism drives it. And as I thought and prayed, as we thought and prayed about it, who would we bring in on this? Uh, it was very clear. Uh, today we have as a guest, Dr. Mercy Allerich. She's a vice president of communications and equipping for the Board of America Praise. It's a ministry dedicated to engaging believers in prayer and service and evangelism for their cities and nation. For 25 years, Mercy has been married to Brian, who is the president of America Praise and Pray for All now, I believe. Um, they reside in Guatemala City. They have three children, uh, Chloe, Colin, and uh, Lauren, live there and made a recent move there. Mercy, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thanks so much, Greg, for having me. I look forward to conversing and learning from you, from Nate, from everybody. It'll be great. Well, we're, we're excited. And, you know, I remember our conversations about evangelism and kind of relational evangelism, evangelism training, because Pray For All uh, is super passionate about every person in the world being prayed for by name. Talk a little bit about Pray For All and America Praise. What the vision and passion behind that? Yeah, so Pray For All is an initiative of World Praise and America Praise. And in that initiative, we want to pray for every person in the world by name and share Jesus with them, right? And it, it takes the whole body of Christ to do that. Imagine, it's you know, I used to work for the census where every person counts, right? This is the spiritual side of the census, and we don't count people, but we say, hey, every believer needs to be engaged. Go find five people that are close to you, but that are far from God and pray for them by name every single day. Take five minutes a day, pray for them by name and then relate to them. Start uh, not just praying for them, but listening to them and eating with them, serving them and sharing the gospel with them. So the, the purpose is, yes, you're going to engage in prayer, ask God to, to give you opportunities to share Jesus with them. But the end of it all is that those five people hear from Jesus from a friend. So that's what we do, and that's why we partner with Dare to Share so much, because you guys are the experts on evangelism, and you're teaching us a thing or two about how to get that. Not just prayer, right, which is which yeah. is our forte. We, we yeah. teach people to be intimate with Jesus and to pray mm. for others, but to take that step and go share Jesus with them. Yeah, I love it. And I'm trying to think, before we kind of dive into relational evangelism, how we all first met. And I think, if and you can correct me, uh, but it was really in Austin at the yeah. kind of the, the pray for all or Austin praise event, uh, where we first connected. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I think we invited you as a guest speaker and Brian had met you. I think you had spoken at uh, the same events and he heard you speak and he said, Hey, let's bring him in. And for me, you were one of the guest speakers. And then I heard you speak on evangelism and, and mm. your burden for young people. And I thought, Oh my goodness, we've got to, we've got to get his vision into our vision and then deploy it to, to the world. So yeah, we met in Austin. That was kind of the pilot program for America for pray for all mm. back in those days, it was pray beyond. And then we changed the name to pray for all. And then that, that initiative 
went global and now we're in different continents doing the same thing that we did in Austin, just engaging That's people awesome. in prayer, service, and evangelism. I love it because you bring prayer. It seems like there's the prayer people and then there's the evangelism people. Uh, mm -hmm. And you keep those separate. It's like keeping nitrogen and glycerin separate. Uh, yeah. You bring those together. First prayer, obviously, then evangelism. It becomes explosive in all the right ways. And Absolutely. Yeah. That's the yeah, essence there's, of There's the no way. There's no way that you can be intimate with God and not get his burden for people. There, there's no hmm. way. If you're praying and you're seeking God and God's speaking to you and shaping you, He's going to give you the burden of his heart, which is to save people. And so we, like you, you, you always said, right, like put those two together and it's explosive. And so we, we just kind of guide people in that, okay, well, let's pray. Yes, be intimate with God, but remember the people that don't know God yet and bring them into the fold of God. And when that happens, when they start praying for other people, there's this burden that comes on them. Like, wait a minute, you know, I wonder what he's feeling. You know, I wonder what he's doing. How can I, you know, give yeah. him a meal or serve him? And then, you know, I think the hardest step, though, prayer and service are easy, right? Because you can pray in private and service. You can serve them and just do as much as you can do, right? And be mm -hmm. thankful for it. But evangelism sometimes requires that step of faith of I'm going to look stupid. I don't know enough. What if they don't like me after all, right? What, yeah. that, that relationship dynamic that, that, um, that evangelism takes a little bit of time. And so I, that's why we, why we love to to just learn from you from dare to share to how to equip people because people will do it. Mm. They have the burden for it. But many times the, the block is, I don't know how to do it. I don't know yeah. how to tell my loved ones that I'm praying for them and that, that they need Jesus. Love it. And, and I think uh, it's pretty cool because I know Brian's working on a book um, about what this means to pray for all and to reach the world and pray for everyone to share Christ and, um, I believe we've got a chapter in there, basically how to how to share the gospel and how do you bring that up in a natural way? Because a lot of times it really is a, a difficult challenge. Let's talk a little bit about kind of the blessed strategy. This is the strategy that's used across the world by Pray For All um, to help, you know, I, I would say the average Christian adult, uh, how do how do we how do we begin to reach people with the gospel and yeah. how do we do that in our own neighborhoods? And this applies specifically because uh, the number one listener of this podcast is, is the average Christian adult. I mean, they're youth leaders that live in neighborhoods. Um, just tell us, unpack the blessed strategy just quickly. What, what, the, what is it? Yes. So it's not a new idea. We did not invent it or anything. It's been going around in circles for many decades, but, uh, we really learned it from Dave Ferguson from Exponential and New Thing. And he was one of the speakers at the same conference that you were in. And uh, he he talks about how in the past he he wanted to share the gospel and tried, you know, like not have a relationship with people and just, you know, just out in the open for the first time they met. Hey, you need Jesus. You're going to hell. And let me tell you about him. Right. And that didn't work. And then he decided, no, I can't do that. So I'll do the relational thing and just live out my faith. But nobody was getting saved. And so he said, there has to be a happy medium. And so he began studying the scriptures and all that. And, and he came up, came, up, came up with an acronym. And the acronym is BLESS, which is super easy to remember, right? B stands for begin with prayer. Pray for the people that are far from God, that are in, in your life, that you can reach. Pray for them daily. And then not, don't just do that, but begin listening to them. 
find out what their needs are, find out what their passion is, what their dreams are, what their fears are. And once you begin doing that, you get, you, you, you begin listening to God about them. You begin listening to them about their needs and fears and all that. Then God begins to give you a burden, right? To, to, to do other things. So the E in bless starts for, uh, stands for eat with them. And so, you know, not everybody's a great cook, right? Like Greg, but some people can invite people no, to no, coffee no, no. or no. Let me out. just let me make it clear. I am a horrible cook. <laughs> Your son is yes. a phenomenal cook. Oh my goodness, he's an amazing he, cook. Remember when he cooked uh, for us that night, and I'm like, oh yeah. my goodness, would you travel yeah, with great. me and be my own personal chef? <laughs> He's amazing. Anyway. That's why the eat part, the eat part of bless for our family is so easy because we just say, "Hey, Colin, would you make some gourmet burgers and we can exactly. have these people over?" And it's so easy, right? But anyways, we we go from begin with prayer to listening to eat with them, share a meal with them because there's something about food that breaks barriers, right? It just uh, you can you can you can sit at a desk with someone and they're not going to share intimate stuff with you, but you sit at a table and then all those. You know those those walls come down, and you begin mm -hmm. having a just a, a a more intimate relationship with someone. the The first S in bless stands for serve them. Once you pray for them, and you listen to them, really listen to them, and you eat with them, and again listen to them, uh, you begin learning what their needs are. We, are there are there physical needs that they have? Are there emotional needs, mental needs, mm -hmm. spiritual needs? And you begin addressing those needs with what you have. It doesn't mean that you are going to give them, you know, pay the mortgage for the rest of their lives, but it might be that you help with a meal, right? Because mm. they're at work and, and their needs, their kids need somebody to cook for them. So you bring them, you bring them a meal, you do something for them, you drive them to school, something little that you can do, you begin addressing those needs. And as you do all those things, these people are starting to see that you're, that they're not a project to you, that they're actually your friends. And and, and, and the blessed uh, pathway is not, again, project-based. Like, I'm going to do all these things so that you listen to me. It's really genuine interest in a person. You, mm -hmm. you pray for them, you listen to them, you eat with them, you serve them because you love them. And then yep. in, in the, the last S in blessed stands for share Jesus with them, right? And mm -hmm. others, they share your story, but we make it really clear that it's share Jesus with them. What has Jesus done in your life? What, what do you know about the gospel that you could share with that person? And it doesn't mean that these uh, steps take, um, take place one after the other, because if, if they're ready to hear from Jesus after you've begun praying for them, or even before you pray for them, you better share Jesus, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, you serve them, then, then that opens the door for you to listen to them. But it just, it's, it's a good acronym for relational evangelism that, that with every person that you want to share the gospel with, you should be serving, you should be listening to them and yeah. opening your home or, or your heart and, and sharing a meal with them. So basically that's, that's what we promote uh, worldwide when it comes to relational evangelism. Yeah, and I, I really love that. I'm actually doing that in my neighborhood. And it's a really good way because I'm the guy, you know, I want to get to it quick. Um, and it's, it slowed me down a little bit in a good way with neighbors, uh, to, yeah. you know, to begin to really work on getting them out to eat. I'm getting to know them and I'm dropping the gospel in and out of conversations all the time. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. And I think for, for youth leaders that are watching this, uh, you want to model evangelism, relational evangelism to your students. This is a great way to model specifically with your neighbors, or if you're a part-time youth leader, your coworkers. 
to invite them out to eat, to be a part of that, those conversations, to love them, to serve them. It's a different, we use the acrostic prayer, care, share, but it really is prayer, care, share. You pray for them, the you care for them. Part of that is you're eating food. And it's interesting because if you look at Jesus and his model of ministry, he's always eaten. And he's eaten with sinners. He's eaten with the with the people he's trying to reach, not just the religious. I mean, he eats with everybody, but he is he's fellowshipping. He's you know there there is something about eating food together that brings those walls down. So I think it's a great strategy. I encourage youth leaders if you're thinking, man, how do I model this in front of my students? I'm not an evangelist, so how do I do that? The blessed strategy is a really effective strategy. I do think it's unique, and you and I have had conversations about this, like. You have a background, and I don't know what your, what is your doctorate in your, uh, Mercy? It's an education. Okay. So we, that's one of the reasons we connected right away. Cause you, you're like, I love the dare to share because it hits all the pedagogical, like, you know, um, audio, visual, kinesthetic, you know, gets kids involved. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that because I know we really connected on it. It actually was super affirming to me because I think, so, you know, we didn't come from it. We didn't come toward evangelism training from a clinical point of view. We we just you know tested and applied until it it worked out. But you have more of that kind of not just practical but also a theoretical point of view. Talk a little bit about that and how you dare to share evangelism training connects uh, when it comes to you know kind of checking those teaching boxes. Yeah. I loved it from the get-go. When you just shared your vision, I began just devouring all the Dare to Share resources, right? Every curriculum series, I downloaded it to my computer, not everybody, everyone, but I just studied every part of it. And I thought, mm. well, what I first told you was this is not just for youth. Dare to Share should be like promoted to every single generation because it is yeah. so good. And as we go into all these nations with Pray for All, we equip them, right? That's our job. We don't we don't do the, the specifics with them. We just equip them and say, hey, here's tools for prayer. Here's tools for service. Here's tools, tools for evangelism. But the, mm. one, the number one thing that we heard was, this sounds great, but how do we do it? You know, you yeah. can tell me, I mean, eating is easy, right? Just, you know, make a meal or invite them out. Yeah. Listening. I mean, even listening mm. is, is, you know, we have to teach that. But the evangelism part. Is something that we tell everybody we should do, but nobody really, it, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but we don't have that teaching widely available in a way that's easy and, and is easily digested and, mm. and practiced. And I think that's what yeah. Dare to Share does is that the training manuals that, that I read are so practical and yet so packed with Christology, so packed with theology, but that anybody can do it. I mean, it, it there's yeah. no intimidation factor, right? Like it's not a big old book that you have to learn Greek and Hebrew and, you know, memorize all of the stuff and steps. You just internalize it and mm. it becomes so easy to do. And I think it's because your target is teens, right? You, you want teens to learn the gospel. You want, you want teens to, to internalize it and then share with others so that for an adult, that becomes easier. And I think, you know, at, at uh, Pray for All and, and World Praise, we always say our target is an 18-year-old. Anything that we produce, mm. any graphics, any training, we want to keep it there because yeah. that's where most people are at. You know, if, if we can, if we can grab the attention of an eighteen-year-old, make it, yeah. make him passionate about prayer, service, and evangelism, then then the adults are in too, right? So that's what caught my eye about uh, Dare to Share that it was fun, it was exciting, 
but it was so biblical and so yeah. i mean it you don't you don't veer it's there's no games it, it, there's of course there's games and you know the the you can yeah. do but but you're not playing and that's what i yeah. liked about it because there's other things that i've read that are like it's a little you know um that like a not something that i would present right not something that will sustain them that that is actually feeding them it's just a little strategy here and there and then mm. when they get asked questions that are difficult they'll be like i don't know what to say and dare to yeah. share addresses those things and and talks first to the person say hey don't just memorize this internalize it get to know jesus and then yep. and then you know you challenge them to share jesus with them uh it's yeah, not like okay you 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 relate to people and then sure. grab your pastor and he's going to share the gospel. No, that's your responsibility. And I love yeah. that about you. And empower, empowers these teens. And we use a kind of the takeoff to touchdown analogy of an airplane. You know, how do you fuel up on the right motivation? How do you get passengers on board? You know, prayer, care, share, or bless. You know, you get them on board, you get them engaged. How do you take off? How do you begin that conversation? The ask, admire, admit, and, you know, what's your flight plan, the gospel? Uh, and then how do you land that plane and how do you mm -hmm. do it? You know, how do you give them an opportunity uh, to put their faith in Christ? And I love that. Just make it, make it simple enough for a teenager to understand uh, and the adults will understand the process. It's so true. When I was a, when I was a pastor for 10 years, all the dare to share training started as a sermon series at, at the mm -hmm. church I pastored and yeah. uh, we tested on the adults actually, <laughs> and then began to implement it. Um, so it's a little, you know, and, and I've talked to you about this. I've talked to Brian about this. The blood strategy works for anybody. Um, but one of the challenges adults have that teens don't have, generally speaking, is adults, Christian adults, sometimes don't build relationships with non-Christians, right? Teenagers, the great thing about teenagers is they build relationships. If you talk to a Christian teenager, that's just your average teenager, not not necessarily homeschooled, you know, maybe with, with Christian friends that are all they have is Christian friends or a Christian school. But the average the average Christian teen, if you talk to them about building relationships with unreached people, they look at you like you're weird. Like that's that's all I do, you know. That's what my TikTok is, that's what my Instagram is. And the the opportunity to be able to just, you know, they already have the bridge built with a lot of these kids. They just need the courage to cross it with the gospel, you know, and, and making sure they're, they're loving the, their friends and, and caring for them. Um, but it is a little bit, would you agree? It's a little bit unique with teenagers because that's what they oh, do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's what we can learn. We can take a page from their lives, right. And, and really spend some time with people. That's why, yeah. you know, Teenagers are so effective at evangelism, like you mentioned, because they already have that that relationship. They already actually do care. It's not just they're just talking to people, but they actually do care for people, yeah. spend time with them, right? And, and for adults, it's a it's it's almost like a novel thing. Like what I get to, I have to do all these things, you know, be in relationship with them because because yeah. we've taught them right for many years, like be separate, be holy, you know, yeah. stay away from these things. And um, there's a there's a there's a fine line there. You're mm. like, don't cross that line because if you talk to them, you're gonna become like them. And it's so not true. It's I think it's a, a lie of the enemy to keep us worlds apart so that yeah. people don't come to Jesus. Amen. You know, it's interesting too, as I think about the blessed strategy. 
specifically for a teenager in a public school setting, I think of one one youth leader that introduced me to a teenager at a church in South Dakota where they had implemented what they called the, the lunch cafeteria table challenge that once a week um, they would sit at a different cafeteria table in the lunchroom and build a relationship with somebody else. And talking to this girl that considers herself a missionary because you know, for once a week throughout the school year, she sat at a different table and built those relations. Ate, you know, ate with people, began to pray for them, find out about their lives, and it led to many, many gospel conversations. So, it's a, it's, it's a great, great template to kind of think about. I, I want to just ask you one other question before we bring our youth leader in. Um, as you think about youth ministries around the world, um you know, not just in the United States, but around the world, what role do you think re- relational evangelism um, should play and can play? And is it is it strong around the world or is that an area of, of need that these youth leaders and these students need training, equipping, and mobilization around the world when it comes to evangelism? It's, uh, I believe, one of the weakest parts. It's it, period. The youth youth ministry is one of the weakest in the world because we've ha- we have this idea that we're babysitting kids until they mm-hmm. can make their own decisions and become adults, right? Once they, I don't even know, turn eighteen or go to college, then you know we begin focusing on them. But um, I, I see it around the world. Either there's youth ministries that are focused just on okay, well let's grow these kids, right? Um, but, but we know, you know, from, from statistics, from studies out there that even the kids that are in youth group, that even the kids that are, that are in Christian homes, once they hit college, many of them leave. Right. And I love what you said at first and forgive me if I make a mistake. You said the best way to, what is it? To help kids grow is to what make them go go. or something like that. Like get them to go, right. Get them to go. And I think that uh, worldwide, what we see is that they're not engaging the youth. They're they're mm-hmm. they're going to church, they're going to youth group, but they're they don't see uh, teens as as this as this dormant force in the church. Mm-hmm. They can actually begin doing. And I'm I'm a I'm an advocate for kids and teens to begin yes. living out and sharing the gospel just like you. Uh, so yes, I. I believe that training and evangelism is key if 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 this force of teens and kids are going to wake up to the yeah. fact that that they could that they can be on mission. You know, once mm-hmm. they're they're born again, whether you're four, I was born again when I was four, and I can tell you, I think I, I've had this discussion with you that at four years old, I was so on fire for God that if anybody mm-hmm. had taken the time to train me on, a, on just a few things, I could have. I could have done so much and it took me uh, going to Bible school for me to learn some of these things, but I was ready. I, and I, and I was at four years old, six years old, whatever I knew I used to pray over people, to talk to them about Jesus. But That's I think awesome. that um, training is important, like intentional training, like we do Bible memorization, like we do, yeah. you know, whatever it is else that we do for, for teens. Training and evangelism is so key because they have the relationship to reach well, the other kids that don't know Jesus. Oh yeah, I mean, and it's strategic. They come to Christ quicker, spread the gospel faster. Teenagers and children, and you know, we need to focus on that. It what what struck me, Mercy, is when you talked about 
just it sounds like youth ministry in general is not taken seriously in the average church around the world because it's babysitting. And boy, when you focus on teens and you empower them and equip them, you're telling them, I believe you can change the world now, not later, now. And what that does, you know, in the soul of a teenager is it, it elevates their their sense of self-worth. Like I have a place in the body of Christ and I'm so, so necessary. This has been great. I'm going to introduce our youth leader. Uh, this is Nate Gillen. Nate is a husband, dad, youth leader, networker. Nate and his wife, Christy, have been advancing the gospel in, our personal, in their personal lives and ministry uh, for more than 12 years. He's been blessed to lead the youth at Grace Baptist in Joplin, Missouri, since 2019. Before that, uh, they led youth groups in a rural northeast Iowa area. And the gospel advancing value has been foundational, a DNA to every program the Gillens have had. This is a guy who's uh, very, very fun, but very serious uh, about the mission. And maybe it's his military background, but he's got a serious vision uh, for for a teenager. So Nate, welcome. And I want you and you to have that conversation with Mercy. Thoughts, ideas, questions about what she's been talking about. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I want to first thank you guys for just letting me be on here. Um, listening to your heart, Mercy, I like connected right away with um, seeing like the, the need for relational equity to be built for youth. Um, I think you have a world uh, view of it uh, as a youth pastor in the uh, United States. It's a little Americanized, I think. Uh, okay. we've, we've kind of built it to be a system or kind of a, this is what we do every week. Um, I love the blessed analogy. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to totally use that now. Uh, we do the prayer care share. We do the prayer care share, but it, it, it breaks it down for the youth a, a little bit different. And if you can share some things differently, um, I have a question for you though. Uh, is there a big gap? Do you think between what you're seeing worldwide and how youth are being led and reached through that compared to like how we're doing uh, in, in the United States? Yeah, definitely. There's a big gap. There's, there's a lot of uh, similar similarities. Like I said, right. Youth ministry is not taken seriously even around the world, but in terms of um, what we're talking about, the the gap in evangelism, there there definitely is over, uh, in America, it seems like we, um, we we don't challenge the kids enough, like we don't believe that they, because in the world, I mean, I live in Guatemala, right? This is a third world country and you'll see kids that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this is right, but you'll see kids eight, nine, 10 years old working you know, on the streets and breaks my heart. But there's this attitude like, you know, if, you, if you're if you able-bodied, you're doing something for the family. You're helping your family. You know, if you, your teens are working or I, I heard of a teen that, that actually is going to school full-time and he's an entrepreneur and he has two businesses, not because he wants to, but because he has to, because resources are so low here. And so teens here are expected and around the world, they're expected to, to help out where in, in America, um, maybe they are in the home, but there, there's not that expectation. Like you have to work hard. You have to do this because you're just, you know, you're just a kid, just go to school. And I think some of that is great. Uh, but some of it is, uh, is, is keeping our kids below their potential. If we, mm-hmm. like, I think uh, Greg talked about it. If we put great expectations on kids, I think that they would step up to them. I think that's, that's the gap that I see in America that, that it's, uh, the kids and, and, and 
I don't know, most kids will stay there because they don't know anything any different. Whereas in other countries, they have to step up because they have to. It's not that their parents are making them, but because they they have to find ways to provide for their families. And so that transfers into the church. You see a lot of teenagers here. You go like, you know, we speak a lot of different churches here and, and, and around the world, and you see them on serving teams. And they're key parts. Like we went to this church in, uh, in San Marcos, Guatemala, and I was in, I mean, amazed at all the young people that were, were serving. But, but and when I say serving, they were actually the leaders of these teams, media and sound and all these things. And, and I'm talking to a 16-year-old, and I'm actually following their cues. Over here, they're like learning, you know, but over there, they're, they're over, over, you know, here in other countries, they're, they're leading teams because, because they step up to expectations because they're so much more, um, you know, uh, in, in a way mature, in a way that they, they've had to grow up because of the need here. So that's, that's the gap that I see. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's kind of what we're trying to leverage uh, here in Joplin. Um, a lot of my youth, um, they're not churched. They, they, we pick them up on a bus. We bring them in. Um, for them, they're the first of their family um, to really go back with necessity to reach them. Um, so we're taking that same mentality of, hey, you're important, and we're going to send you back, equip you, inspire you to uh, – relationally evangelize your family. Um, and I think <clears throat> in Joplin alone, in just this region, uh, it's relatively um, lower income. Um, so we're kind of taking that heart of like what you have there to just see young people want to lead. And we're, we're kind of selling out on it um, to really hope this next generation takes over. And I think some of the things we saw what we've seen here in the last couple weeks with just Asbury and the revival and the young people stepping up they're hungry, and I think they mm -hmm. they they see um, their peers. Um, I know we're talking about the second value of uh, gospel advancing, but the number one is letting intercessory prayer you know fuel the whole movement. And uh, our thing is trying to get our students' hearts broken for their peers and their families through prayer. Um, and I think that's where we kind of can unite here in the the states with around the world. And uh, Greg, you guys have been doing a great job. I dare to share with that. Um, and Mercy, sounds like your guys' ministry is just all about it. So I really uh, am excited to see how we take what you've learned and what we share uh, with our own students about what's happening in the world, um, not to just have them realize it's happening in Joplin, but it's it's all over. And I think our students realize the need for them to step up. Um, their desire is um, like great. When you can get a student to have a, a heart broken for their peers or their families, that's usually a home run in, in youth ministry. Um, and I've led a couple different churches and I've only hit a couple home runs. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Um, otherwise we're getting singles and doubles and triples and those all score wins for the kingdom. But we have a couple students that step up and run with it, man, we, we love to see that. And we allow our students to follow that peer well. So um, <clears throat> one other question I got for you, uh, I think for both of you guys is, is how do we see like, how do you guys feel that the, the future of of youth ministry, uh, either in the states or um, really the world, um, can can be encouraged and pushed forward through what we're seeing in this this new generation coming out? Greg, you want me to take that one first? Sure. 
you know, I, we move, you guys move in, in the, in the youth circles more than way more than I do. But for me, I think it's, uh, uh, the challenge for us in our ministry is to awaken the pastors to the importance of teens like that. You know, we talk about training the teens, but sometimes in, in, in our world is talking to the pastor about not necessarily him being the doer of everything, the center the, where, you know, the, where the, the sun around the, the universe of the church, but to turn his eyes to the teens and invest in them. That's where, to me, um, Teens can do a lot. Youth pastors can do a lot. But imagine if they had the full support of the church. You know, mm -hmm. you, I think you, we've seen this right research by Barna, where you know, in the in the uh, the expenses of a church, right? How much money is actually spent on adults? How much money is actually spent on teens and kids? And it's it's astounding, right? The fact that we are spending so little money on the teens and the kids, and so much expectation is placed on, on youth ministers. Hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I'm not saying that money fixes everything, but, but it does show, to me, it does show the priority. It does show the faith that they would have in, in kids and in, in youth and their ministers. And so for me, I see that the, 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 the future of youth ministry is being given to the pastors. Like for generations, God has been saying, will you, will you um, invest in the new generation, will you deploy them? But when they don't, God does this, which is what's happening at campuses, right? Like th this should be happening in churches. This should be uh, being released from churches, but but it's not. It, it, it went straight to the young people. And I think uh, we ha churches have a choice. Pastors have a choice. Will you equip? Will you invest? If you don't, I will find other people that will, and I will actually move sovereignly. And they will teach you a thing or two about, you know, the next move. I love that. That That is great. And uh, good good questions, Nate. Good comments. Mercy, great answer. I would say the same thing. Pastors was on my mind is that we... We need, to, we need to make a case to pastors about the power of the gospel and the potential of young people. And as that message is, goes out, then they begin to prioritize them. And... Um, and the other thing you said, Mercy, that really caught me is the typical church, you know, a teen is there to learn, whereas that other church you went at, it, they were there to lead. And what's interesting, they're going to learn a lot more when they're put in a position to lead. Uh, and, at, you know, coming from a high poverty kind of fatherless background, I could testify when I went into this youth ministry led by a hillbilly preacher nicknamed Yankee, he empowered us uh, right away. Welcome to the family. Gave us a Bible, gave us a stack of gospel tracts, said, you're going to learn this, you're going to learn this, and I'm going to put you in charge of stuff. And that, for a kid that didn't feel purpose or significance or identity or belonging, all of a sudden I had all of that. Uh, I don't know the psychosocial uh, impact of all that. All I know is God used all that stuff to rescue me from my high poverty background. I'm not just talking about financially, but emotionally and, I mean, mm -hmm. just all that stuff. Uh, so, so important to be able to empower these students. And relational evangelism does that so, so well. Um, we do have the, the updated globalized version of the Gospelized book that's out now. 
uh, in English, soon to be in Spanish. Uh, And the audio version of it in English is out right now, too. So it's free download uh, for youth leaders that are listening. And stay tuned for the Spanish edition coming uh, soon. Uh, It's exciting. So, Mercy, how would uh, youth leaders find out more about Pray for All? Is there a uh, like a specific website or URL yeah. you'd send them to? Yeah, you can go to prayforall.com. And we also have an app, an app in English and Spanish. And that's uh, Pray for All on the App Store or the Play Store. But prayforall.com is where you can find everything about. What's really cool, yeah, pray, go to prayforall.com, check them out. The other cool thing is Life in Six Words, uh, the, the app that we have now in 17 languages and growing. Students can literally, this is an epiphany I had with Brian on our last call. They literally can put in the names of every teenager they know on the app uh, mm-hmm. and begin to have uh, reminders every day to pray for them. So yeah. a simple way for students to use their Life in Six Words app to put in every name of every teenager they know or maybe every teen at their school. They're really going to be yeah. courageous and start praying for them. Why not? That's why we don't use our app with teens. Our, you know that our strategy is the dear to share strategy. When it comes to teens, we don't even mention mm. our app. The The app that's in our strategy is yours because it's mm. just, it's exactly what they need. You know, and I wish we had some of the capabilities that yours has for, for adults as well, but it's a fantastic app. We recommend it around the world. Well, this is, thank you so much. And Mercy, we're glad to be uh, partners with Pray For All. And we so believe in the mission. Let's get everybody prayed for and shared with and loved on until every person has every last chance to hear the gospel from a friend. So Nate, thank you so much uh, for your excellent questions and insights. Mercy, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. And uh, make sure you go to prayforall.com, find out more about Pray For All. Uh, youth leaders watching, man, take take advantage of our website. Raid the refrigerator. We got tons of free stuff for you. And remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing one. Thanks for tuning in.